The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 142 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I'm joined as always by my co-host out in LA, Zandrick Ellison. Zan, we got a little bit of NBA All-Star break happening right now. So how are you? Are you enjoying your rest? I think so. Um, it feels like midpoint of the season, right? And I guess it is because there's so few games. It's only been like 35 games um, per team, but it kind of works. I mean, this is probably as long as the regular season needs to be. Yeah, and we know that the second half of the season has been scheduled. It's going to be, I think, 37 games in like 50 days or something. It's it's very, very fast when it happens. I mean, is there any benefit, not to be a downer, but aside from making a little extra money, obviously, but like, is there any like practical sports benefit to playing 82 games versus 72 games? No, I think you should, I think they should play 72 games personally. Like, I just think the, the quality of the regular season with more off days would be, would be better. What's like, like people, the line what, if they played 62, 52, 42, like what, at what point do you think this is too short? I don't know. 50 seemed short in like the lockout year, but the problem is like this, when this happens, like when they play less games, right. It always is less games in a short period of time too. So like, you never really get to feel like, we don't know what the feel of 66 games over the normal months of the season would be right. Like we only see like when they played 66 and they started on Christmas day, they were like teams were playing road back to backs. Like it was insane. Right. And so now I think the NBA has done a good job of kind of extending things a little bit, not this year, notwithstanding, but in the last couple of years, like extending stuff. So there's more days off and they're trying to do that obviously to eliminate load management. But if that's the case, like why wouldn't you just take 10 games away? Right. And I know that owners owners would be mad about ticket sales and stuff like that. But if we know that they only need to play 72 games to hit their TV deal, right. Why wouldn't you just make it 75 games, right? You have the playing games now anyway, so it's a little extra. The playoffs are all seven-game series. They used to be five, obviously, in the first round. So, like, why wouldn't we just get rid of eight games and you can ensure you never have to play a back-to-back? And you can ensure that, like, a lot of guys – it seems reasonable to have guys play 70 games a year if they're fully healthy, Well, it's almost like the players are taking this into their own hands, being like the Kawhi Leonard model, where it's like, schedule's 82, I'll play – 65 65 yeah that's exactly right and like you know you're gonna get nicked up some anyway so you're probably gonna miss some games in there but like you know fully healthy guys like i i truly believe that like we don't take enough credit into account for like the guys like lebron or james harden who just do play every single night right like yeah well it's definitely a function of the way that we record stats it's just like per game versus the nfl where it's like the leader in rushing yards is not per game it's just whoever had you know the most rushing most yards, yards. yeah the most yards or that's home actually, runs or whatever that's kind of interesting that the nba does that i've never really had a long conversation about it just because i think that like the way we gather stats now is stupid anyway but yeah i mean who really cares but i did read you know, somebody t- uh, had a take once that i think is accurate that if they did measure it the other way around and we're so used to the per game that it'd be hard to switch but if you if you said your points 
per 82 games, regardless of whether you played 80 or 75. Right. It would motivate players to play every game. Maybe not. Well, points per 82 wouldn't, right? Because right. then you could prorate it. It'd be just total points. Right. That's true. <laughs> That's yeah, true. But maybe like still, in your head, you're thinking but, it's still but like so, per game. So it, it's funny, like this is a little bit of an offshoot. We're, we're recording. It's Monday. The All-Star game is Sunday night. Uh, Team LeBron, what, 170 to 150. Is that correct? Yeah. Over Team Durant, which Team Durant didn't have Kevin Durant. So as usual, the All-Star draft was pretty funny. As usual, the All-Star game probably didn't have to happen. Uh, it was. Did you a, think it was funny? I mean, I watched the All-Star draft. I, I thought it was like... I didn't think watch. it was funny. I don't know why I said that. What I what I uh, thought was funny was Kevin Durant making fun of Kendrick Perkins. Like, I thought that moment was funny. But like, I... Well, it's just like, you know, I love Kevin Durant, um, his game. But like, what a terrible personality. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's, you know, you're on TV, you're doing this All-Star draft, and he looks like he's sulking and just like, yeah, he just so doesn't want to, to be there. <laughs> like, come on, guys. It's it's really funny that and we're going to talk about Brooklyn, obviously, with the Blake Griffin news. We're going to start with the All-Star game because that's what happened. And I, I just want to go on record and say, like, I totally understand why they had the All-Star game. It definitely seemed unnecessary but like it is what it is like if guys need all-star stuff on their resume well, I, I have a whole totally different take because that hold on, was hold like on, the me, consensus okay the, the kevin durant thing is so weird like so i've been listening to like i told you i've been listening to all the smoke and i've been listening to jj reddick's podcast and he's been on both of those and he's always with just like with bill simmons like he's always with rich Kleiman, and it's like it's always like you just have to like sniff kevin durant's butt for two hours and you just have to like talk about like how great he is and how like it's acceptable for him to be mad at like fans and the public. And it is, it's, it's, it's totally fine for him to say like, why can't he be treated like a normal human being? But it's also like, dude, you're not a normal human being. Like you're the most talented basketball player of all time. I don't know, but it's like the, the, the way now that the media is like, Oh, well, like maybe we wronged Kevin before. So like, now we're just going to like act like he was definitely correct. And no one else was like, it's just, that's just not right. It's just not. It, it does rub me the wrong way. And as somebody loves basketball, like the, like the spoiled attitude of players and it goes beyond like, so like, did, I don't know if you saw this, but Jimmy Butler, I don't know if he was asked to be an all-star or not, but it came out. It was leaked that he refuses to go to the all-star game because bam, Adebayo wasn't invited or wasn't elected. That's cool. Stand with your guys. I appreciate But why? That. Like, why is it oh, your decision? Who gets to go? I no mean, sense. it's a process. It's whatever the vote is, the fan vote, coaches vote. You didn't make it. That's the, them's the rules, you know? <laughs> Um, and then this whole like movement that I think is just so self-righteous and ridiculous, like the all-star game's unnecessary this year. It's unnecessary every year. No, that's exactly, yeah. At the but minute, also, is it any more or less necessary than playing Minnesota versus Oklahoma City on a Thursday night? Like, no, that's more irrelevant and, than the all-star game. The all-star it, game is actually like watched by people. And it is relevant First of all, from like a dollars and cents standpoint to the league, it's relevant, right? And this is, again, at the end of the day, like this is what matters. Like I remember hearing guys being angry about 72 games and how quickly they were starting the season until the NBA PA was like, listen, guys, if we don't do this, you're going to escrow half your paychecks and you might get 10% of it back, right? Like this is a real life thing. And oftentimes we don't think about this because guys make so much money. It's like, all right, well, what does it matter if, you know, John Wall makes 25 million instead of 45 million, right? It doesn't in the grand scheme of things, but like, it does. The all-star game doesn't matter to Kevin Durant, right? It doesn't matter to LeBron James. Like those guys, it, it, it makes it, it matters but it does, more to the fan than an right. average regular season. It's, game. it's an, I made this joke to somebody, but like the dunk contest, for example, right? So like we had three dudes who are young guys, Anthony Simmons, uh, Anthony Simmons, excuse me, Obi Toppin and Cassius uh, Stanley. Yeah. 
normally in a year like this, like the Knicks are good, but like Obi Toppin being in the dunk contest would be a very big deal to Knicks fans in a normal year where the Knicks stunk, mm-hmm. you know? And like, he's, it's funny to say that. And like, I don't understand why this year players had such like a critical opinion of what is supposed to be entertainment. And, and I get it. Like player it's safety is important, but at the end of the day, that's exactly right. Zan, you're exactly right. Like, the fans want to see this happen and like, it's stupid, right? They're, they're mad. Like there's not a lot of like parties and stuff this weekend because of what's going on because of the pandemic, obviously, but like, it's still fun. Like it's fun to watch the three point contest. Like it's fun to watch the skills contest. And honestly, let me tell you something. Do we ever need all-star Saturday night again? Can we just do it all in one day? Like that's uh-huh. just that, better. That was my other great, but I just, just the last point about like all-star game is r- largely irrelevant, but it does matter more from a viewership point of view and a fan point of view than, as I said, a random Oklahoma City, Minnesota game. And I would even go a step further. Let's say the Lakers and Clippers are playing on Sunday afternoon. Big game we would watch. Kind of irrelevant, too. I mean, in terms of like the regular season. At least the All-Star game. There's going to be like a Wikipedia entry about that All-Star game, regardless of how important it was. Versus like, it's it's more important than basically every regular season game. It's just more entertaining. It's more watched. It's, you know, it's more historically important for whatever reason. Um, so to act like this is the one thing that they shouldn't do, I thought was just bizarre. And maybe they're, if they want to complain about not getting paid enough for it, that's fine. Get paid, give them a million dollars for showing up or whatever. But um, it, it that rubbed me the wrong way. And then I'm in a bad mood, apparently, because I'm going to rant about the <laughs> gonna, Saturday night thing. We're going to get off our lawn here. Let's do it. I'm always down for this because, you know, the, the All-Star okay. game, like, there isn't – like, we can talk about the play all we want, right? Like I said, Steph and Dame, it's, like, amazing to watch those guys put yeah. on shooting clinics. Like, Giannis in the open floor with no defense is, like, a scary thing. But, like, at the end of the day, like, what is it – you know what I mean? What are, what are we going to do? Like, ah, oh, man, team team Durant had a tough break because they didn't have KD and like they didn't have Embiid and like, you know, whatever. Like it's. Yeah. It, as far as the actual All-Star game, I agree. Like that was my takeaway. It's like anyone who rants about, you know, players being soft now or not playing good defense is like, watch Steph Curry just like effortlessly, effortlessly hit like half court shots. Like how do you guard just, it's, it's insane. Like it's yeah. so crazy. And those dudes, what they do in the All-Star game is actually like somewhat translatable if it wasn't for like people being like, ah, well, Steph shouldn't shoot threes from half court. Maybe he should shoot threes I from know. half court. It's, it's ridiculous. And Lillard, I think is so impressive that he's gotten near that level, you know, because he was not – like, you know, consi- you know, if it wasn't for Steph, would Damian Lillard be one of the most would, famous players in the world? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, his just his shot profile would be so different. Like the pickup points on those guys now basically make it damn near impossible to have a big who has to be in drop coverage. It, it makes a guy like Rudy Gobert not really worth a max because they can't play at the top of the key. You know what I mean? Because if you don't pick it's Dame crazy. up you know, halfway inside the half court line, like he's going to rise and make shots and it's wild. Like, but anyway, well, all right. So Saturday that's my other rant. Me. Yeah. My, so this, you know why I think I'm cranky about it? Cause I have a baby now and I have a wife now and my time's a little more um, scarce. So you really have to make a point to like watch stuff. Um, and when I was single and had nothing to do, I could watch the whole like all-star Saturday night, you know, even the celebrity game. I used to watch this freaking celebrity game. Um, and the, you know, rising stars and all that. And the Saturday night, like, I still like the dunk contest. I know everyone complains about it every year. I still like the three point contest, but like, that's it. Like, so you have probably about 10 minutes of entertainment. And when they had it as its own event on Saturday night, it's like, okay, we have 10 minutes of entertaining basketball. 
let's spread this out over four hours. I mean, or something like that. It was just like absurd. So you'd have like musical guests and you have to come up with some other event like shooting stars or a skills competition. It's like, it's all time filler. You know, it's just obnoxiously long. And so this year they, they didn't do that. They did it before the game, but they didn't get the memo TNT. They drug out, dragged out the skills competition probably for 45 minutes or an hour. It was like the most excruciating television to watch. Like, don't you realize this is completely time filler that has no point. It's really not fun to watch. And you, you have like multiple commercial breaks, three rounds of skills competition. It they're was trying like to make money. They're trying to make money, Zan. They, there's uh, a lot of advertisers. Really that, there's a lot of advertisers that bought Friday and Saturday night all-star game. Content. And that's the other thing I realized too, is like Charles wasn't there. I guess he had his daughter's wedding. Like the yeah. TNT show is really not nearly as entertaining without Charles. It's funny, right? I, uh, I haven't watched it yet, but I taped that inside or DVR, excuse me, the four parts of that inside story, which is like the documentary on it. And it goes in order, right? It's, it's Ernie's episode one, Kenny's episode two, Chuck's episode three, and then Shaq is episode four. And they made Shaq, I'm sure episode four, because he's, you know, largely the most popular of the four, but like, Kenny and Chuck are so good. And Ernie is just like an, an unbelievable pro, but like TNT, I think does a bad job in the sense that like, they now have the show on like Tuesday nights too. Right. But it's like only, it's like Shaq and Dwayne Wade and like Candace right. Parker. It just doesn't work. And it's like, it isn't Shaq is awesome in general. Like I, I like Shaq, the person, right? Like Shaq, the investor, we've had conversations about him in the past, but like, Shaq is the worst part about inside the NBA. Like yeah, the show he's was, got, he's gotten flack for it too, but it is, it's like reached a critical mass of where it's yeah. like, like I was watching, he, he, did you see the clip where he with, didn't, you know, he was hating on Donovan Mitchell, whatever. With but, him and Candace Parker, where she was like yeah. schooling him on pick and roll coverage. And like, she plays in the league where there aren't even that many pick and rolls. But the yeah. most egregious I thought was they're talking about Pascal Siakam. I didn't know. And Shaq name. didn't know his name. He yeah, didn't know Pascal. And I'm, I this is like a top 20 player. I mean, come on. And someone who's, and, and the Raptors are on TNT a fair amount. And here's the thing. I have defended Stephen A. Smith for years because when you are tasked to talk about so many things, it's like, it's impossible to be an expert in all of them, right? It, it's just not possible. It just isn't. But like Shaq is only supposed to talk about basketball. Like that's it. Like you need to know right. who the best player on the Toronto Raptors is or one of the best players in the Toronto Raptors. And it's like, Mistakes happen. Like, guys, you know, you're on live TV. They do right. a bunch of shows a year. Like, I am very willing to let Shaq off the hook because his specific role is to be, like, the variety host, right? Like, that's what he does. He makes jokes. He yells at Chuck. Like, but at the end of the day, like, if he's going to take himself more seriously, it, it just needs to be better. Like, he needs to do more work. And he needs to understand that, like, the, the, the game has changed, right? Like, the game is different than it was when he was there. And there are guys that certainly he would have a tough time covering. But it's like... Inside the NBA, I feel bad complaining about it because the show is really good. Like when it's, when it's when going, it's going, like it's when awesome. When Chuck, it's, it's awesome. It's more entertaining than most games. It, it is. It is. But it's like at some point, like somebody needs to pull Shaq aside and be like, hey, man, like, listen, this is not your role. Like, we don't want you to like we don't need you to break down basketball. Like, we need you to be, you know, have your moments where you make jokes, like have your moments where you're like emotional because he's a very introspective guy. He's also like super smart. And like, I know people don't think that, but like he's. You know, he's got to be a billionaire, right? Like he's made so much money. Like 
he's there because he wants to be there. But at the same time, like we, we need to like strive to, to do a little right. bit better. And right? I, I don't even mind, like, obviously it's more of a comedy thing than a basketball show. I like that. That's fine. They've done a great job with that to be serious, yeah. to be totally frank, like changing it into that. Cause it doesn't need to be some stuffy studio show. Right. And I don't even mind if they're the cranky old guys who complain about, you know, three point shooting. They do do that so often. It's just like, you can't be like, you can't be known for being oblivious or unaware of like, who the star basketball you, players are in the sport you're covering. Would you and say that could, you think that those guys watch basketball other than Thursday nights? Cause obviously like when they're yeah, in the studio, I don't think like, they do. I think Charles on. said once he like, he doesn't even watch the games. So he'll go watch like a TV show and then come back. Like <laughs> I mean, they just feel great. like very, like I know basketball cause I play basketball. I don't have to do any research. I get to yeah. show up and then rant. And that's where like Ernie has always been so impressive to me because like that guy takes his craft like so seriously. Like I, I've told the story before, but like, when he's when TBS had baseball, he was like announcing, and the first year he did it, he was so bad, and he like issued a public apology and was like, "I will never be this bad again." And he's like great, greatly improved, right? Like with other people, like I just don't see that from Shaq, man. Like he just doesn't want to do it. And I, I, I don't think he's funny either. Personally, I mean, it's a subjective uh, thing. But. He has some funny. He has some funny moments. His but his his much more poignant stuff is always serious. Seriously, like the, the good Shaq. I, I don't know. I missed that serious. episode where he's he's really intelligent and poignant no, and mean, emotional. I don't know. You got to send me those clips of those ones. I think he has. I think he's just like super arrogant. And do like, you really? Yeah, he never huh? takes a joke. I mean, he just talks about his rings or whatever. Hating Shaq is like that, you that's think the minority. Hating. You're talking about really? like all star. Oh my! I th- I don't know that. Does any? I mean, maybe young kids hate Shaq. I don't know. Like maybe like 15 year olds hate Shaq because they don't know him as who he is. But like. I think his humor, you know what it reminds me of? Um, <laughs> like sometimes you'll see like a popular like YouTube comedian or TikTok comedian and you watch it and they have 10 million subscribers and you see their clips and it's just and they're like, not the funny. most like yeah. lowest rent humor. And it's like, okay, maybe it works with like this very specific demographic of like 12 to 13 year olds. Um, and I think Shaq is like that where it's like his he's funny to... I guess like other NBA players. I don't know. They always talk think, about how funny think, he is. I think Shaq is funny. Maybe you're like that. You're in that, you know, sort of like <laughs> NBA I, community. But 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 Zan, I grew up thinking Shaq was hilarious, right? Like there were moments where I've never heard him Shaq, say anything funny. Come on. His interview with Jim Gray about like yelling at David Stern for officials, like that stuff is priceless. Like his, he was kind of funny in after like during the, the games. When like in like the, the, 10 the second doses. The interview yeah. about like the snake bite, like where he like like Yeah, that was, like, but that that's like a great. sophomoric, like this is funny in the locker room <laughs> kind of stuff. I mean, that's what everyone's always said. Like everything I've ever heard about Shaq is he was very funny in the locker room. Like he's yeah. just a wild big kid. Like that's who he is. And I think that like I think he has like endearing qualities in that regard, but like I do think that his performance on Inside the NBA of late has been a detriment to the show. And unfortunately, I watch Inside the NBA a lot. So like I feel pretty comfortable saying this. And I know that like I know that those guys like you said they're they're not out here to analyze basketball, right? But players do I think largely respect them and talk to them they'll give them interviews and whatnot so i think you you owe the league to pay it forward right like you owe the league to advance basketball a little bit and i think that that's where inside the nba bothers me and that's where like when the nba for all-star sunday puts on inside the nba for two hours before the show starts it's like what are these guys talking about for two hours and maybe they don't have like anything else like a bones rerun or something but still like that show good i've never watched it it was it's on a lot though i've seen i've seen a thousand times like two the last two minutes before (laughs) a game came on but 
Um, yeah, you used to put it on at like seven, six o'clock. Yeah, it was insane. always bowling. I don't see it as off and on. Anymore, right? All right, so, let's talk about actual basketball. Okay. So, um, couple yeah, big there's stories. one big story. Yeah, two big, two big stories in my opinion. But we'll 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 lead with the first one. Uh, Blake Griffin uh, got bought out by the Pistons. Uh, one of my favorite tweets I've seen of the entire year so far was. Shams tweeting that uh, Blake Griffin gave back $13.3 million of his buyout. And so like in, in, on its face, that tweet seems great, but uh, Blake Griffin's going to get paid $61 million now instead of, you know, 75 to 74 to uh, not play for Detroit mm. cleared waivers, which is not a surprise. I did not expect anyone to claim him because then you have to pay his salary and uh, is going to sign with the Brooklyn Nets. And I think that, I don't like to use the term casual NBA fans because I don't like to that. denigrate people. Yeah, yeah. But I do think that people are going to look at this and be like, man, the Nets got Blake Griffin. Like, how are they going to be mm-hmm. how are they going to be stopped? But like, I want to first say that like Blake Griffin has been a very bad basketball player this year. And I know that Detroit is bad, but like we are seeing a guy who looks like he is well past his prime, looks like his knees are totally toast. He's 31 years old, like he's been injured, but he's played about half the games this year. And he's averaging like 12 points a game on like 30% shooting. I, I mean, it's been, it's been very, very bad. So I don't know if this makes Brooklyn significantly better. I mean, from a star power perspective, it's great, but like, Definitely not. I mean, I think you, the argument could be, does it make them worse? Um, yeah. And so if they're playing him 30 minutes a night. And I don't, that's, I can't imagine that's going to, first of all, I don't think his body can hold up for 30 minutes a night. Right. Mm-hmm. Zan, like we're talking about a guy who played 18 games last year He's played 20 games this year. Uh, since 2014, do you know how many times he's played 70 games? I have the basketball reference up, so I do know the answer, but it's, you can explain it. One, I mean, one time. So, like, we're talking about a guy who, you know, like, 2016, 17, he plays 61 games. 17, 18, is 58 games. Like, this is not a guy that is ready to play 30 minutes a night, especially considering that the second half of the season is going to go so quickly. Like, I, I just think... If you really think Blake Griffin has something in the tank, like I wonder if the Nets should just be playing him every other game. Like if they should literally never play right. him two games in a row until the playoffs. If you really well, think he has something left in the tank. And it's and it's so interesting because you know, you think, oh, Blake Griffin's old. Um, he's in slow decline. First of all, he's not that old. He's 31. 31. You know? Yeah. And it's not he's turning 32 soon, but and it's not like it's been a slow decline. It's been a couple years ago, he was really good. Um, he was averaging 24 points a game, five assists. You know, he's shooting threes. He had a I good think, troop shooting. He made the all-star team. He was like a top 10 MVP yeah, candidate. I think I argued on this show after 1819 that I thought Blake Griffin was like the most underrated player in the NBA at that point. Because he had such an amazing year in Detroit. But then he couldn't play in the playoffs, remember? Like he didn't play yeah. in the first round of And the then I forgot what injury that was. But then the last two years, he just it's been like a complete train wreck. Yeah. Um, his true shooting, 48%, 49%. Defensively, he's a mess. He can't stay healthy. He hasn't been shooting well. He's been shooting 50, 35%, 36% from the field the last yeah. two years. So he's been one of the worst. Honestly, it's a small sample size, maybe. It's you know 20 games, but he's been one of the worst starters in the league recently. The last, I mean, the last two years. Last I mean, obviously, years he, only, he only played 18 games last year. So it's not, again, like you said, we're, we're looking at a 38-game sample. But again, that's 38 games over two years where he's been quite bad. He's been on a very bad team. And my gut feeling is that he is signing with so so 
we're talking about Brooklyn for a second. Like we've, we've talked about Brooklyn in a lot because they're a big story and they've played really well. And James Harden and Kyrie have seemed to mesh very, very well. Haven't really gotten to see a ton of those two with Durant because he's been injured, but he should be fine after the all-star break. And then the other thing is that DeAndre Jordan is playing a lot better of late, which is very surprising because as you know, I've been very critical of him. You've been very critical of him, but Blake Griffin is an interesting personality because he's, you know, not the most serious guy. I remember he broke his hand because he like got in a fight with like their equipment manager, but it was like a joke. The guy's his friend. He and DeAndre Jordan are very close friends. And I feel like the Nets here, I'm going to do a a Zandrick Ellison analysis. Okay. For a second or comparison, Mm -hmm. the Nets feel very much like, like a, a game of Jenga to me. Where like we're we're moving pieces around, we're stacking pieces on the top, and there is like one very small piece at the bottom that's like holding everything together. And I've told you this privately that I think it's DeAndre Jordan because he seems to get along quite well with Kyrie. He's close friends with KD. He and Blake Griffin are very close friends. And then I know that he's like him and James Harden know each other, like whatever they play together. But like I'm very worried about bringing an extra personality into this team when it already feels like they've gelled as well as we could have hoped and there's still a lot of season left where they really haven't faced like adversity right and so if you bring a guy like Blake Griffin in and all of a sudden he wants to play 30 minutes a night and he's playing really badly how do the Nets overcome that or respond to that and that's where this concerns me Zan like I I won't lie like on, on on its face like as a basketball move I think it'll be fine like I think he'll be okay I think he'll play 20 minutes a night and he'll be a small ball five and he'll distribute and he'll make some open shots. But like, I'm worried about how it looks if he's not happy in that role. Cause I think you have to establish that role right away for him. I really do. Well, I have to imagine that he signed up knowing that and knowing that this is, you know, cause he could have maybe gone to another team where he would be more of a star and, and in a little bit in his defense, like even as bad as he's been the last few years, he's still considered the star of Detroit. He's probably the focus of the defense. It's very it's very weird that that's the way this works. It takes a little while for guys to go from being like superstars and then they're bad to being considered bad. You know what I mean? Like Right. But and then also like it should help him to have obviously a lot less defensive attention. Right. Tons of space. It's amazing. If you look at his statistical profile, I mean since he was a, a you know, young star I mean, can I read you some of these numbers just because basketball reference is so interesting? They have all this stuff. So the, the when he was you know starting out the first few years, he dunked it about 200 times a game. 200, 200 times, times a, a game. 200 times a game, huh? <laughs> That's a lot of dunks. NBA jam. 200 yeah. times a game. So his, 200 his times first, a year. Right. His first three, his first four seasons, 214, 192, yeah. 202, 176. And la- this year, zero. Um his five last year that is unbelievable if you had asked me to guess how many dunks i thought blake griffin had i certainly would have guessed like five to ten right and then listen to this so the average shot distance early on seven feet away from the basket now it's 17 clearly 50 he's gone from shooting two percent of his shots were threes his first few years that's up to 55 percent um and this is more concerning. Obviously, he's just getting older and shooting more threes. This is what's really scary to me when looking at this number, these numbers. Mid-range shots. No one's really shooting them. Who really cares? But still, he, he made about 30% early on in his career. 
The last two years, it's under 20%. Yeah, it's really bad. I'm looking at this. I mean, he just can't shoot very well. And he's not shooting threes that well right now. And I think if you're taking for one saving grace, um, they have a percentage of field goals that were assisted. Okay? So early on, he's playing with Chris Paul. It's about 60%, 65%. That's gone down to about 30%. So he's really had to do a lot himself. Um, They don't really have a great point guard in, in Detroit. Uh, now you're playing with, you know, superstars where you are going to be getting good shots. So the question is like, can he make those open shots? Can he get a few dunks? He has to be getting set dunks, right? I mean, unless he's just like scared of it. What's the, what's the over under on Blake Griffin dunks for the rest of the year? Like, let's just, I think he'll get one in the first game. He has to, right? Man, that's interesting. Cause you can definitely bet on that someplace. Like where, where, how many dunks will Blake Griffin have? I, I will say it is stunning to look at his role in Detroit. And obviously he, he had the ball a lot more, right? Like, I think we talked about this in the past, like his assist percentage in Detroit, like 28%, 27%. Like, you know, he had the ball a ton, but his percentage of twos assisted on is 29% right. this year in Detroit. That is like staggeringly bad. And cause he still finishes, he still finishes pretty yeah, well I at the rim. Like too. he's still making at like the rim, 67%. He's yeah. He's, and not he's, dunking, not, but... he's not Zion per se. Cause I've argued this for years, right? Like, Blake Griffin is still – he's still taking just about half of his shots as – actually, only 14% of his shots at the rim. But uh, Blake Griffin is so much more skilled than he's ever really gotten credit for. Like, he's always ever been like, oh, he's a dunker, right? But, like, really, like, he can handle the ball. Like, he can really pass. And what I think this does – and this is my biggest fear for the Nets, as I am a, a, a Nets – lifelong Nets fan, as you know. Uh, Jeff Green's been pretty good. We know they don't care about defense, right? right? Like the Nets are, they're, they're not concerned. Like they're, they're going to have to try to get some stops at some point, but like the Nets are not worried. But like if Jeff Green is really like their small ball five and he's shooting like 40 to 45% from three because all of his shots are open, Blake Griffin's not going to shoot that well, right? And they don't need, given their 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 quality of, of stars at the moment, it's not like they really need another secondary creator because if Steve Nash is coaching the team correctly, you're just always going to have one of Harden, Kyrie, right. or KD on the court. Well, and so, yeah, I, it's great to have Blake Griffin too, but like his particular skill set here doesn't seem to gel entirely with what they need, right? Because they don't no. need like a, 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 a small ball five who can create. They really don't need that. But I think mean, right. it's useful. It's definitely useful. Well, I think like best case scenario, you're looking at him like, this is the Warriors, you know, and he can offensively, he could be like a Draymond, like a good passer, smart player, yeah. can hit an open three. He's a better shooter um, than Draymond. Like. Yeah. And and he is, as you said, like a very good ball handler, very good passer. And so he could fit in like old Andre Gudala, you know, basically the yeah, same thing. Just good. like fit in, pass that's the ball good. to the open guy. Um, Obviously, the big question is defense. Like, and that's where he might be a liability because he's not a good defender. He's not a shot blocker. Never has been. Is he the kind of guy that teams are going to target in the playoffs? And you know, really like wear him out. Um, yeah, because Jeff because, Green like, has probably been a worse defender than him this year, but he's definitely been a million times better of an offensive player because all he does is just make open shots, right? Like, yeah. So it's, it's like if you play, I agree. Like if you play him more than twenty minutes a night, he's probably a liability. Because here, here's the other thing too, like with the Nets, that's that's pretty interesting, right? So because they don't have Spencer Dinwiddie, who also like it's it's funny, like he's just an afterthought. Like how good would this team be with Spencer Dinwiddie? Like Bruce Brown has been really good lately. I'm 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 cashing in my receipts on that because I've talked a lot about Bruce Brown and how good he's been. But like 
they have found like a pretty good rhythm with the way that their offense operates where like Harden has the ball a lot. And then like Kyrie's kind of an off guard. And when KD comes back, like he's, you know, more of a scorer, which is what his role is. But like, they've got guys making shots. Joe Harris just makes open shots. Well, Jeff Green makes And when you say shots. pretty good rhythm offensively, they are on pace it's for the absurd. best offensive they've, rating of all time. I've, I've never, they've done a lot of their wins of late have come without Kevin Durant. And it's like, you're going to add Kevin Durant to this specific offense. And I, I was joking I have a couple friends who are huge Sixers fans and we've been talking about how well Joel Embiid's been playing and he's been playing amazing. But like, I think the best way to stop the Nets is to just let KD have whatever shot he wants. Cause you know that he's not going to shoot his shot profile is not going to be great. Right. He's going to slow their rhythm down a little bit because that's what he does. He needs his like elbow touches, his mid post touches, whatever. But like, man, if you just let Harden have the ball and spray it around mm-hmm. and like you told KD, like you have to shoot 10 threes a game. Like, I don't know that it matters if the Nets can ever get a stop because like it well, feels it's, like it's, they never get stopped. And so like when you put Blake Griffin in the game, it's another guy who wants to pound the ball a little bit. Like it seems tenuous to me from a from a X's and O's standpoint. Now, that's a, no, that's Griffin, a great point. But like he, he, here's a, uh, maybe I'm just basketball reference sponsor of this podcast. But l- listen to this stat, too. So the Golden State Warriors, you know, with KD, I thought the best team that I've ever seen personally. Best offensively, at least. I would, and, I would agree with that. Um, so the offensive rating is points per 100 possessions, right? They led the league a few times. Um, before Durant showed up, their offensive rating was best in the league, 114 points per 100 possession. That went up to about 115, 116 with Durant. This Brooklyn team is averaging 119 points per 100 possessions so the best of all time so and that's mostly hardened at this point it's ridiculous it's it's again i i mentioned to our our buddy blake j harris who's like very anti Kyrie irving that like your hope for the nets losing was that like Kyrie and james harden didn't get along and it seems like it's going as well as possible like harden is like relishing being the distributor and don't get me wrong like he's still scoring at a high rate but like it seems very possible that you know Harden was tired of being like a 35 point per game guy and like he much rather do it this way because it, right. again it takes averaging a lot 11 of, assists a game shooting 42 percent from three I mean it, their stats it takes, are ridiculous. it takes a lot of pressure off of him too to be in this role and this is again why the super team thing is kind of stupid but like it also seemed like LeBron was this way too right when he gets to be more of a distributor like he's more comfortable in that role because Again, I don't want to jump in anybody's heads, but like you get to kind of make some comments about like, yeah, you know, like if we put guys in good positions, like with Harden, like he, all these passes and all these moves that we've seen with Brooklyn were there in Houston, but you know, it's different to throw the ball to Durant and Kyrie and Joe Harris than it is well, to throw the ball. And here's like, one last stat on how good this team is offensively. So I just said 119 is the best offensive rating for a team ever. Their top Seven guys in terms of minutes played. Joe Harris, Kyrie, Harden, Jeff Green, DeAndre Jordan, Bruce Brown, your guy, and Kevin Durant. Their individual offensive ratings <laughs> are all are over each, 120. <laughs> all over 120. So they're all – Bruce Brown's offensive rating is – as a team would be the best 127, of all time. yeah. Durant has the worst offensive rating of these guys. But you might be right because it's like Durant, we've talked about it before. Like his shot distribution is not the smartest. He shoots a lot of mid-range still. Um, In some ways, maybe that makes it easier for other guys because he's taking the harder shots. But um, this team has 
one of the best offensive of all time. And then Blake Griffin can't hurt that. I don't think he'll be like that bad of an offensive player, right? I, I would expect not because I, I just don't – you're just – I think it would be a big mistake to play him like with DeAndre Jordan a bunch, right? But aside from that, like I probably wouldn't play Jeff Green at the four either. But I guess like if Griffin – if most of his minutes are like small ball five and like I can't imagine it, it hurts him, right? Because you can play any of these guys with Durant and have right. Durant. I, th- I think this is sort of like a DeAndre Jordan backup. Yeah. Again, small it's – Small ball it's fives, you know, Jeff Green backup, you like know – like they've got so Jeff Green's played fifty four percent of his minutes at the five, which is surprising. I, I definitely thought it was less than that. So if that's the case, and he's playing forty six percent of his minutes at the four, and Durant's got five percent of his minutes at the five, and then like you know Noel Vonley's played minutes at the five, like Reggie Perry's played a lot of minutes at the five. Like there's minutes for Blake Griffin to have if that's the case. And I wasn't. I, I guess I hadn't looked a ton into that, but I, I would be very very stunned to see. Griffin play a lot with DeAndre Jordan. I just think that like, why would you do that? Right. Because then you're taking one of, and again, it's, it's good. Cause you can maybe give Harden a little bit more of a rest. Cause the dude just plays 38 minutes a night in blowouts. It's insane. But like, if you have Griffin and Jordan on the floor together, then you can only really have the three and you really do. Joe Harris is like, it's hard to take Joe Harris off the floor, man. <laughs> Joe it's like so good. the supernova of Joe Harris is just like out of control. I just can't. Well, I have a question. Does it does how likely is this going to high profile examples of this not working? Carmelo going to Houston, Carmelo going to Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City is probably a better example. Yeah, Oklahoma City is probably a better example. Or DeMarcus Cousins going to Golden State. And everyone's like, this is a super team. It's unfair. And it clearly like he just wasn't the same guy. He was hurting yeah. them. Are there examples what are of the this, odds that are this there is examples just, of this working? Do we have other examples? Do we have another data set to compare it to? I, I think it'll be fine. I, honestly, I think like, the one that worked would be like, I guess Rondo with the Lakers last year, like kind of Car- Carmelo in Portland. Like, like again, Portland. I, David I think, West. Do you want to say David West in Golden State? Because he gave him good minutes. Yeah, but like none of those guys were the quality of player that Blake Griffin was. Mm-hmm. Okay. And yeah. I think, you know, in listening to Carmelo speak kind of about Oklahoma City and Houston and stuff like that, it's hard for guys to come to grips with not being the player that they've always been. Right. And I'm I'm not using this to like shit on Carmelo or anything, but like he claims that he was misled about what his role was. And he claims that like, he just wanted people to be honest with him. And it does seem like now that he's in Portland and he has a role that it like fits that like he, I mean, he's gotten himself in unbelievable shape. He's, he's won some games for them. Like, don't get me wrong. I think the biggest thing is like, is Blake Griffin at a point in his career that if he is a part-time player, on a championship team that that's enough for him is going to be why this works or don't you know, work. That, right. As we're talking about it, it's some examples. Like I think Dwight Howard worked for the Lakers last year. He did, but uh, it took him a while to get right. to there. It took it him was a while. like his third team or, you know, fourth team that he had to like, accept the role. Same right. with it, didn't work, it didn't work in Atlanta. It didn't work in Charlotte. Yeah. Rondo, he, cause he had the good year in like new Orleans. Right. And then like and all the same sudden, with Carmelo, he had like two buffailed trips and then finally like got humbled enough to accept now, his role, I guess. Now I will say Blake Griffin has never been from a personality standpoint, the same as those guys. Now he had his issues with Chris Paul in LA, but like, Griffin has never taken himself so seriously. Like I, I think if you talk to Carmelo Anthony, he would tell you he's one of like the five best NBA players of all time, which is obviously insane. But he is certainly one of the, I don't know, thirty best NBA. I, I mean, he, he's up there. He probably right? still thinks he's one of the top twenty players, don't you think? I, I mean, I enjoyed, 
I've enjoyed listening to him talk as his career's gotten later. He, he's much more like astute than I think people give him credit for. You know, they, they make fun of him because he wears like hats and he's like drinking wine and stuff. But like, I've enjoyed listening to Carmelo. But I do think that like, it's different when you're a 30 point per game scorer and like runner up for the MVP in different years in your career. Like Griffin has had really good years, right? But but largely like he's, he's never been a top five player in the NBA, right? Carmelo at a certain point, I, I think you could argue was right there. And so I don't think like Griffin needs to be a little bit more like Rondo. And like, I don't think he has the same personality as Rondo, if that makes sense. I mean, I know he doesn't, but like my thing is like, is he going to take it seriously enough? Cause he is such a fun loving guy. Like, you know, you've seen it like Zan, like he's probably out in LA comedy clubs that you've been to. Like he he has other interests. (laughs) I think, yeah, I definitely think like the Brooklyn appeal helped him like the big market going to be on TV all the time. I will say this. The other thing that I'm, I wouldn't be stunned if Brooklyn had one more move in them. And I don't know if that's like a JJ Redick type. I don't know if it's another buyout guy, but like it doesn't feel like you get Blake Griffin and like you're still not going to be active, right? Because they're still thin, right? This is not right. a guy that you're going to give 35 minutes a game to. Like you still need to find probably another wing. Like, well, the big rumor was, you know, Drummond before this. No, this made this makes more sense than Drummond, in my opinion. Although they, there was a rumor on Hoop Site today, Drummond buyout maybe maybe the Lakers getting Drummond. So it's like an well, arms race actually, of that'd be interesting. Him to the yeah. Lakers, that'd be very interesting. There's other teams that could use him too. Like he might make some sense with the Bucks if he would go for free, and you have a a, a rim protector in your second unit, I guess. So rim protector. I, yeah. I would say this though. Let's say the Nets odds. We talked about it before. It was like plus two seventy five, right? I would make the Nets odds like plus 265 adding Blake Griffin as of what we know right now, just because of how limited I think he truly has been. And I really want to see him in a new role first before we just crown. I I don't think he's, I think there's more of a, like when the Warriors signed cousins, I thought it hurt their title odds. I mean, they would have won that. If he was healthy, they still, if if everyone was healthy, they still would have won the title, right? That team was too good. I think, Uh, but, but yes, I I did like Blake Griffin personally, like as a player and as, personality so I, I hope it works out for him yeah i like blake griffin too he's it's funny like there are guys that don't like blake griffin and like he seems like a really likable dude like he just you know he seems like a likable guy all right let's go to another the other big story it broke right after we recorded of course and i don't work that hard so i didn't want to record like an addendum to the podcast but atlanta fired lloyd pierce uh they were 14 and 20 not super surprising that they fired him. I thought the like litany of articles about how everyone on the Hawks hated Lloyd Pierce was a little bit surprising since we didn't see a similar hatchet job with like Ryan Saunders, but the Hawks fired Lloyd Pierce and they hired Nate McMillan, who was already his lead assistant. Uh, that makes plenty of sense. We've talked about these, this process before. So from a, from a coaching perspective, Zan, since this is sort of your lane, my lane. You're the. Coach. I just mean, I just mean that like you. Well, I was, but I just mean that like you, you, you analyze like a lot of different coaching hires and f- firings and stuff. Do you think Lloyd Pierce was the most to blame for Atlanta's problems this year? And 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 was this time? What was what? The timing makes sense, of course. You have to do it at a certain point, but. We talked about him getting fired a bunch this year, and I was still a little surprised to see it come across the wire when it did. Well, you know what it is? I was never a big Lloyd Pierce hire or fan. Um, he didn't like, you know, well-respected assistant in, in Philadelphia, I think. Um, and that's why I like guys like Nick Nurse and Chris Finch, because like they have had 
a proven success somewhere, whether mm-hmm. it's Europe or the G League. Like they've been a head coach before. And mm-hmm. I think it is, a, you know this better than me, of course, but it is a different role to be the boss versus like the likable player's assistant, their buddy, you know? Yeah. And he's and actually so, only been an NBA coach since like 2011, right? Like he was a player development guy in Memphis and then he was in Philly for four years before he got the job. So, I mean, he's been a coach for longer than that, right. but I mean, just in terms of like a, a, but he's never been a head coach. He, he would never been in the G league, never been, I don't even know if he ran the summer league team. You like, he was like a he pure did, right? assistant. He, run, he ran the Sixers. Okay. He ran the Sixers. Summer league team. Okay. Well, whatever. But in terms of like his butt on the line and something that mattered. And he was he um, he was a G League assistant for like four years, right? Like he worked for the yeah, Cavs. I mean, he's been in the NBA assistant. for Tyler Laurie's been a G League assistant. It doesn't mean that's much. true. I wouldn't um, put that on my Wikipedia page. <laughs> uh so it's always like dicey, like, is this going to work personality wise? And I would, yeah, like your point, like, I, I think he should have been fired just because he's supposed to be a defensive guy and the defense has been terrible. I'm very surprised that the personality thing constantly came up. I don't know how he had the the clout to kind of like get on everyone's bad side. You'd think I, he would just kind of blend in. Yeah. Cause like when you hire him, you know, and again, this is, this is a, racially charged you know comparison but everybody says like oh he's a player's coach or whatever and again i think that meant more specifically that he worked in player development for a long time and he is very i mean i've watched the guy work dudes out before it's impressive stuff like he is a very good on the court like clinician if you will but i did think it was it was super interesting like the athletic wrote this article about how like players needed a new voice and like you know lloyd pierce was angry at like trey young drawing fouls and like it was it was just like this like laundry list of things that like Atlanta was like mad about with Lloyd Pierce. But the one thing that I felt like didn't really get brought up is that like Lloyd Pierce was hired Trey Young's rookie year, right? So before his rookie year, Atlanta has been so bad the last two years and the roster has been terrible. And then the owner this year was like, all right, well now we're going to try to make the playoffs. So like they, they made all these like splash signings. Right. And we talked about how, like we thought this team was, six, seven, or eight, I think, in the right. East, right? Neither one of us was like, this team's going to be, you know, 55-win team. But so Bogdanovich, like, avulsion fracture, like, right away. Gallinari starts the season hurt, comes back, looks horrific, right? Chris Dunn has a setback in his MCL recovery. He hasn't played a game yet. DeAndre Hunter, who actually took a huge leap and looked like most improved player type candidate, he gets hurt. Cam Reddish looks bad he's been banged up like i i do think like anyeka akangwu like he hasn't played at all like he had a foot injury so like there are certain things that like definitely are lloyd pierce's fault and his relationship with trey young and john collins which appeared to not be so good like that is certainly his fault it, you know i, I mean it, it goes both ways but obviously he plays a role in that but like the hawks just expected to like be a 500 plus team and like make the playoffs this year. And then all of a sudden like injury struck and they just like weren't prepared for that at all. And like, that is a tough thing to hang on Lloyd Pierce, right? Like, Hey, make all this work with all these new contracts. Rondo has been like the worst player in the NBA uh, again. So, you know, maybe and also make- like, and talk about like inflated expectations last year, they were 20 and 47 and to expect them to go 500 was asking a lot. And so I, in that way, I do think it's unfair there. They're not that bad. They're 16 and 20. I don't know what they were at the time of the firing, but um, yeah, they're, they're definitely they're not in the bad. race. And he you know? deserves criticism for his, his records over the past. Like he's the head coach, like that it's part of it's you, but also like, I wonder if Travis Schlank fired him because Travis Schlank was like, man, if we have another bad year, like I am also going to get fired. And at least this way I get right. to make it look like I'm doing something. So my question is, Nate McMillan's been a head coach for a lot of years. Like he'll probably make them better defensively because that's what he does. 
I mean, this is probably Nate McMillan's job to lose, right? I mean, I, I don't. Yeah, know. I think he's a permanent coach. Yeah, I mean, at least for next year, because um, he's so you know so experienced. And you're right, like he's a defensive coach, and like the biggest criticism of him has always been like he's very like stone age offensively, but maybe with Trey Young. Just, with Trey, you would yeah, you'd expect that they'd play a little bit more towards. I, I think he's a order. fine hire. It's Nate McMillan's in one of those like weird areas where he's like he's probably like in the 25 to 35 range in terms of like best coaching candidates. So he's always going to like get a job yeah. and fired. And then and he's you're never like going to be like thrilled with him, but he's a good coach. Like he's, he's a, like he's a, a fine coach. coach. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, it's honestly, he's kind of like Thibs in that regard where like you get him, you know what his flaws are. His teams are going to play hard. They're going to defend. They're probably going to be 500 and maybe you get lucky and you know, you're a little bit better one year, but it's, it's going to be hard for a Nate McMillan coach team to like win an NBA title. I think he just doesn't do quite enough on the offensive side of the ball. Well, it's sort of like that in the NFL is always like the Dalton line, Andy <laughs> Dalton back when he was pretty good. Like if he's your quarterback, like, like your team's good, yeah. but you're not going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. It's funny. It's well, Tom, like Brady Tom Brady won a Super line. Tom Brady won a Super Bowl this year. So maybe you don't like, need- who do you think's the most average coach in the NBA? Like the most like replacement level, Oh, this is a great question. Doesn't add a lot, doesn't lose a lot. This is a really good question. Nate McMillan is a really good candidate for this. Because uh, yeah, he's just like a guy, you know, like he's fine. I'd have to think about it. James Borrego, maybe. I like, like James Borrego. He's just like good. About... All right, who do you, you clearly you have someone in mind. Let's hear it. I think, well, no, I think Nate McMillan, I, uh, guys like Nate McMillan, I'm like, I probably wouldn't hire myself just because they're like, just like, mediocre. Like I thought Lloyd Pierce was up there with like Luke Walton as like worst coach in the NBA this year. Like I thought that those two guys. Well, how do you I feel thought, about Terry Stotts? I mean, he's he good. Mixed, I liked, I liked like Terry, Terry Stotts. Stotts. I think Stotts is good. And I thought like Ryan Saunders was like pretty meh, to be honest. See, like, I don't think, here's the thing. In, in saying that like Lloyd Pierce had like the laundry list of things issued about him that were his problems. Like, I, I don't agree with doing that. Like, I don't like, but it happens all the time. Like dudes leave teams or whatever. And they, they, you know, Carson Wentz is currently just getting like body slammed in Philly for all these things that he did wrong. But like Lloyd Pierce definitely did a bad job as a coach. Like, I, I think like that right. is very clearly the case. Like he just didn't do a good job. And I think that's part of, you know, you get fired and you have to own that. Right. Like, and I think that like, we're not quite there with him yet, but like, I don't know if he'll get another chance because, like, you're looking at – I mean, he has one of, like, the 10 or 15 worst records of a head coach in their to start their career. So, like and, – And I think the unfair thing for his point of view, and, and coaches have been saying this, is, like, you stick a guy in, like, a deep rebuild, and then you give him whatever, two and a half you years. You give him two and a half years. The guy was playing – the guy is playing Solomon Hill rotation minutes in 2021. Like huh. it's not his fault, right? Like he didn't have a choice. Well, that might be his fault, but um, what are they? Who are they supposed to play instead? When like Gallinari and Bogdanovich and Hunter are all hurt? Like, I mean, yeah, I don't like, think I don't think he'll get a job, but I think he'll be a coveted assistant, right? Yeah, I mean, this is the way it works with guys like him, right? It's the JB Bickerstaff thing. That's that's the that's probably the Dalton line, JB Bickerstaff. To be honest with you, yeah, me. I'm like, like the most mediocre coach. Like, I think Steve Clifford, like he is, he's the pretty he's good. like he's pretty good, but he's the most likely coach to me to get you to 500 and just like stay there. We probably would have put Frank Vogel on this line, by yeah. the way. So let's I, st- not, I still let's, think he is that. <laughs> yeah, honest. I don't know. But so, so like Atlanta moving forward, I, I want to say like, I have some sort of groundbreaking analysis on this, but I, I've said this from the start, like Trey Young worries me as like a franchise guy and not because he's not like a very good player. I, I think he is. And like you said, I think he's the type of guy that can kind of overcome some of like what we expect to be Nate McMillan's warts. But at the same time, like, 
they got to pay John Collins like $100 million in the offseason, and it doesn't seem like they should be doing that with Trey Young because their relationship's kind of weird. But at the same time, if Trey Young's going to be the type of guy that can like air a coach out and get him fired two and a half years into his career, like Atlanta becomes so much less desirable of a destination, which is why I think if Nate McMillan and him have a very good relationship, then like you probably do need to just roll the dice with Nate McMillan and see what happens. Cause the team should be better in a year anyway, when everyone's healthy. I, I think the bigger problem is like one Cam Reddish. We got no idea what's going on with that guy. Right. Yeah. Like, it's disappointing. You know, and it again, looks the part. like you said, it's, it's a situation of like bad in college, probably not going to be good in the NBA, but Gallinari looks toast, which is really bad. I mean, it really, really bad. We don't know what Bogdanovich will look like coming back from an injury, right? Kevin Herter, they got to pay him. Are they, what are they going to do? Like, Akongwu has played sparingly this season, and Capella's been actually very good, like, when he's played. So, like, the Hawks team is, like, much more in flux, I think, than people realize. Well, I because think DeAndre Hunter playing well, he's been hurt. and he's been, He was very good this year. Like, yeah, I think that's, like, the, the um, so, I don't know, silver lining or whatever. The, like, the reasons for optimism are he's a great fit with Trey young. He's playing yes. well. Um, it's like almost ideal. And in fact, one thing I've been critical of new Orleans for, like they could have had Deandre Hunter. Um, instead they traded down and got Jackson Hayes. Like can you imagine Deandre Hunter with Zion and Who cares? Brandon Ingram? Zion is going to play. By himself. Zion's going to play by himself in a couple of years and win a title. That guy is what, what about for, you know, the one thing Hunter would have been Hunter would have been better by the way. You're yeah. correct about that. But, um, one reason to play 72 games to play 82 games is to like settle these like small sample size in the standings. And the East has some of that this year, like Miami's 18 and 18. You'll figure they'll get above 500 Toronto 17 and 19. You figure they'll get above 500. Right. Yes. But there are these teams right now, like Indiana is three games under, they would not make it right now. They've been on a losing streak. Are they going to get it back? Chicago's kind of rising up there. They're 16 and 18. There's like a big the Wizards, clump in the Wizards middle. Wizards are unbeatable these days. Wizards are rising. And yeah, then like, think, so look at the standings right now. Like the top four will make it. Philly, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Boston. I think Miami and Toronto will make it. So I agree with that. Um, the Knicks are the fifth seed right now. Does that last? Charlotte. Well, there's, there, I mean, this, the East playing is going to be great. That's what I would yeah. say, right? The East playing game is going to be great. And I would expect Atlanta to make it. I would expect probably Charlotte to make it. And then Indy and Chicago. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe the wizards, the wizards. Well, the playing. Knicks, the, do you think the Knicks are going to be above that? They'd I think the be. Knicks. Yeah. What do you have to, you as the seventh seed, be at least game? the sixth, sixth seed. I don't think the, yeah, that's interesting. I don't think the Knicks will get the sixth seed. I do think they'll make the point. I guess, I don't know. I have to look and see. We'll have to project right. that. Well, that, that's your, your task for this podcast right now. That's what you have to figure out. I would out. say right now, if I had to predict seven, what is it, seven through 10? Or well, seven let, through me, let me give you the standings right now. Just so, I, have, I, have a mo- I have them open. Well, for the, for the listeners too, Tyler. Um, the Knicks, <laughs> the Knicks, 19 and 18, Charlotte, 17 and 18, Chicago. Chicago 16 and 18, Indy 16 and 19, Atlanta 16 and 20. So they're all very close. And then Washington's 14 and 20 because they played less yeah. games. Okay, so say, that's the group. Okay, so now for the listeners, give us the playing rules and then I will give you my predictions. How does that sound? Perfect. Okay, so we're saying again that Toronto and, and Miami will go up to the five and six spot. So those are taken. Um, the seventh seed plays the eighth seed one game tournament and whoever makes it moves on they get the seventh seed yep the loser 
falls back into the play-in tournament. And so then the play-in tournament is the ninth and 10th seed play each other. The winner plays the loser of that first game. So it would be the eighth seed to fight for the eighth seed. So if you're the seven and eight, you basically have to win one game to make it. To get in, yeah. If you're the ninth, 10th seed, you have to win two games to make it in. Okay, here are my predictions. I think personally, not knowing Indiana's injury history, I, I think that the Bulls will fall off I think, I think Atlanta, Washington, and Charlotte are the. Th- I think Atlanta, Washington, and Charlotte, and the Knicks are the three are the four best teams of of this group. I think Chicago. So you're saying Indy, you did not going to make it. <sighs> yeah, I I feel like Indiana is just not that good to be honest with you. But I, I guess I'll here will be my predictions. The seventh seed I think will end up going to. This is tough. All right, I'm going to say. I'm going to say the Knicks get the seven seed. I'm going to say the eight seed goes to the Hawks. I'm going to say Charlotte gets the nine seed. Mm-hmm. And then I think I'm going to say that Indy outlasts Washington for the 10 seed, just because I, I just don't know that Russ can hold up for an entire season. He's playing so well. We've seen it happen before, but like the wizards are starting to play a lot better, but I think Orlando will end up being sellers. I think Cleveland will try to be sellers. And then I think there's a good chance that Chicago will end up realizing like, all right, it's our first year here. We can sell as well. And I think that ends up being why Charlotte ends up getting in personally. If I had to make patience, I think Indiana is going to bounce back a little bit. The fact that they've been falling has been sort of like an underrated storyline because they started well, remember? They did. And they've then, been playing very badly of late. Yeah. But I still think they're, I like the coach. I think they get the seventh spot, even though they're three under right now. And then I say the Knicks fall to the eighth spot. I'm kind of buying Chicago a little bit as the ninth. Or Billy no, Donovan. Charlotte is There's the ninth. A, that's, the, that's the Dalton line, Billy Donovan. I like Billy Dalton. So I say Charlotte is nine, Chicago 10. And I'm saying Atlanta does not get their act together in time. And Washington misses out as well. All right, fair enough. Let's uh, let's end can I, there. Can I have one Mia culpa, by the way? Yeah, go ahead. Watching him in the All Star game, Zach Levine is so much better than I thought he's, he was. He's very good, and he's actually having like a very efficient season. It's it's tough. Like he's carrying the Bulls to like he's having the same argument that people have about Trey Young, where it's like, how good is Trey Young? But it's like he has these off some offensive numbers. The offensive efficiency numbers are off the chart, and this team still stinks. And it's like sometimes that's just not these guys' fault. Like sometimes yeah. they drag their team to like league average efficiency, right? Well, because I like Venus, to brag about my free agent predictions, and you like, did not you know, want them sense. to. You did not want them to match that deal, if I remember correctly. Right? Yeah, I thought it was one of the worst deals because he hadn't proven himself, and yeah. then he signs this big contract and suddenly becomes one of the best. Well, he's going to get another. He's going to get another massive deal. So let's not end there today. Let's go a little bit shorter okay. than normal uh, because I think you know not so much going on, but this season is about to sit pick back up, and I think it's going to start going really, really quick, which is going to be very exciting. So. Uh, MTV Challenge accepted, right? Sometimes Thursdays, sometimes yeah. Fridays. The show's on Wednesday nights. We were uh, the t- top 10 show in Turkey, by the way. I love recently. that. I love that. Uh, and then he is Dan underscore Ellison on Twitter and Reddit. Because we're pro genocide. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Email the show's Ellison at gmail.com. <laughs> and uh, that's about it for us this week. We'll be back, be back next week. And Zan, as always, buddy, it's a pleasure. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your host, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news.